We're going to begin this week, as uh, Pastor Jacob shared, we're going to deal with proverbial life and uh, look at some things out of Proverbs over several weeks that are just key things, key principles, key elements that we learn from the Scripture. And I, I, one of the things that came to mind as I was preparing this was the whole idea of winning. We shared a bunch of, of wins, and which we, which we, you know, shared on the spiritual front. But even in life, I, I know many of us, no one likes to, to lose. No one likes to be uh, a loser. Uh, I love to win, and everything I do, I love to win. It's, it's hard for me. I had the most difficult time. I don't think I did finish it, trying to watch the Raiders get their behinds beat last week. I, I, when, when my teams get to a point where I know they can't win, I just can't watch it. I just, it's a weakness. I need prayer. I really need deliverance. I mean, it's a weakness. I just go crazy. I want to shut the TV down. I, just everything. And uh, because I like to win, I don't like to lose. Uh, I, like what, I like what Vince Lombardi said, winning is not everything. Winning is the only thing. It's the only thing. And so, but even at life, though, we want to win at life. You you don't, no one wants to lose at marriage. No one wants to lose in finances. No one wants to lose in parenting. You don't want to lose in the workplace. We we want to to win. And that's part of the reason why we do some of the things that we do to to be victorious. We, We know that we are and can be, or should I say can be and are, in Christ, we're victorious people. But sometimes, I think as Christians, we, we fail to stay on a winning, uh, to, to keep a hold of the winning formula. And, and what I mean by that is the scriptures tell us, especially Proverbs, and especially in this sense, we're going to deal with wisdom. The scriptures tells us how we can be winners all the time. We can be winners all the time. Listen to me. There's no losers in the body of Christ. There's no losers. And there is no loss. There, there is no loss. We don't lose in this realm. We all win. We have victory upon victory because our God is the victor. So life is set up for us to be, to be winners. And the scriptures tell us how to win. But I, I, I do think that sometimes that um, we miss the mark as Christians when we start to look at other things, read other books other philosophies maybe, other theories, and even some stuff that may be put out by Christians that if you just read this book and follow this formula, if you read this book and get this understanding, well, everything would be better. We fall into the trap of thinking that what we need is more knowledge. It's very rare that when you talk to somebody about things that are going on in their life, most people will say, I just need more knowledge. Very seldom will you hear people say to you, I just need more wisdom. Think about it. Think of the last time you heard somebody say to you, I just need more wisdom. It's not something, wisdom has been pushed to the side in place of knowledge. We have the idea, if we know more, we'll do better. So wisdom takes a back seat. But the book of Proverbs and the scripture as a whole tells us that winning is made possible by wisdom. It's wisdom by which, the wisdom that comes from God, by which we do win. We can be winners. And the the whole Bible, obviously, is a book that shares that. But Proverbs is one of those books that just captures a whole lot of it in one shot. 
when we talk about the book of Proverbs, we, of course, note the, the predominant writer is Solomon. There's a couple of others toward the latter part of the book, but predominantly it's, it's Solomon. And you, and you may ask why him. And 1 Kings answers this question. It says in 1 Kings 4.29, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. So the Lord poured out wisdom upon Solomon that he wanted Solomon to give to us. Jesus even noted how wise Solomon was. But the manner that how Solomon gleaned this wisdom is, is a little bit intriguing. Like, for example, if you were to take a walk and you walked by a house and you saw that the fence was broke down and the yard wasn't kept, you may think to yourself, you know, the guy needs to fix that. Or whoever owns that, you know, I, don't, I wonder why they don't fix it. But Solomon went beyond that in his thinking. Solomon would think if the fences broke down and the yard's not kept, what's going on in the heart and the mind of the person who has this property or who has this land? And he would go from there and he would look at the character traits and he would talk about their mind. He would talk about the heart. But ultimately, what he, what he pointed it all to was an attitude toward God. And when we read the Proverbs, it's more than us just saying, you know, the fence is broke and the yard is not kept and, and, and he needs to do better. Solomon talks about the mind and the heart and the attitude behind that and how that really reflects the person's relationship with God. He, he does it in some intriguing manners. There's, there's three methods. Now, you, you could probably do studies on Solomon and, and you might get more than three manners and how he did that, but uh, I narrowed it down to three. I think I can, most of them will fall into three categories except for a few odd ones. But some of Solomon's statements are contrastive statements. For example, Proverbs 13.1, and usually there, there's a but in here. Listen to this. A wise son hears his father's instruction but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You see the contrast. Wise man listens, but scoffer doesn't take rebuke. So some of the, a lot of the Proverbs are contrastive in that manner. Some are completive. He gives a thought and then the next statement finishes the result of that thought. For example, Proverbs 16:3. commit your actions to the Lord. That's the thought. And he could leave it at that. But then he completes it and says, and your plans will succeed. Do you see that completed thought? Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So many are completive. Some of them are comparative. My favorite ones, honestly, are the comparative ones because they're so real. I mean, they're things that either situations I've been in and I saw how that worked. For example, you've probably been in this situation. This is a comparative. Better to have little with the fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. You'd rather have little than have a lot and have a whole lot of trouble. And isn't this the truth? A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than a steak and then with someone you hate. Ain't that the truth? I mean, you could picture that. 
I'd rather eat vegetables. Listen, I'm not a tofu guy. Some of y'all of different persuasion eat tofu. I don't. But I would rather eat tofu with you and love you than salmon and asparagus and some nice, beautiful carrots on the side with some butter pecan ice cream to boot with somebody that I hate. I'd rather eat your tofu than, than that. This is one that I really experienced in my life and didn't even know it was in the Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 17. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. I didn't done that before. And that dog will turn on you in a heartbeat. And I'm going to tell you pastorally, I've learned. Sometimes getting in folks' arguments make a pastor want to resign. But, it, but here's the... But, but, but so Solomon goes in that direction, contrastive and completive and comparative. And so the message today is vertical wisdom for horizontal living, vertical wisdom, wisdom that comes from God for us to live out this horizontal life. I want to read again verses 2, 3, and 4 out of the New Living. Their purpose, talking about the Proverbs, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Do you hear that there? The wisdom that Solomon has given us is to teach us how to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge, and discernment to the young. The purpose of Proverbs, and I love what Jacob does. I I do the same practice. Whatever day of the week it is, I read that proverb. You can't go wrong. You learn from God. You learn wisdom from God. It sets your life up to be a winner as you hear insights, as you know what's just, as you know what's right, as you know what's fair. Even people like me who are simple-minded and naive and don't know a whole lot, if you just hear the wisdom that comes from the Lord through the Proverbs, I'm telling you, your life will be so much better. The the whole idea of the writer from uh, Proverbs is so that we would know how to live in a, in a world of chaos, because that's what we're in. No matter how you get around it, no matter where you live, no matter what city you live, no matter what community you live, the world as a whole is in chaos. Chaotic thinking, chaotic expression through media and, and songs and movies and, and just even sometimes people around us with all the threats and the terrorism and the violence and the hostility. We live in a world of chaos. Confusion reigns. And what the wise man wants us to do, and even God wants us to do, is regardless of all of this confusion that can reign and all of this chaos, he wants us to have victories in our life, victories in finances, victories in friendship, victories in family, victories in faith. And so the big idea of this message is a relationship with the Lord will make you wise for everyday living. It's really just that simple. A relationship with the Lord will make you wise for everyday living. Here's the interesting thing. As you dive into the Proverbs, you'll see so many times what he talks about as foolishness. The things that people do that are foolish. Ignorance of people and the lack of discernment and little limited insight. He'll, he'll, he defines how that lack of wisdom, if we, if we don't have the wisdom of God, then honestly, we're left to live life either by personal preference or opinions. It's either wisdom from the Lord or it's personal preference or opinions. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Sometimes my preferences are funky. 
And if I went by my funky preferences, none of y'all would be able to stand me. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I can tell you right now, I'm not that smart. So my opinions don't mean that much. And if I'm going to try to live life knowing me, now, now all of y'all got to be honest. You got to, you got to know yourself. You may be sitting out there thinking, well, I'm much smarter than him anyway. And uh, you might be thinking that, but I'm just telling you, knowing me, I need something above my own thinking. I need someone above my own understanding and my own wisdom. I need the ability to walk through life, to handle the things that come with life, uh, with, toward life with skill and with wisdom. And, and Solomon does this. He says here in, in Proverbs 1, 5 through 6, listen to this. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. He makes a statement here that if we're, if, if we're, if we're wise enough just to listen to what he's saying, we'll become even wiser. Let those with understand and receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. I love the word here to receive that he uses because it's the word that means to pluck off as if, if we were, if we were uh, uh, going through the cornfields and pl- uh, plucking corn or going through the vineyard and plucking grapes. It means to take action, to take and, and bring in, to, to take it, to receive it. And he says, listen to these things and you'll become even wiser. What a lot of us don't want to face in our life is this truth, that folly is bound up in us. I, I want you to get this, and I'm not, I'm, by no means do I mean to insult anybody. And if I do, you only got 14 more minutes to deal with it. But, but I'm going to tell you something. Folly is bound up in us. We're born into folly. All you got to do is, you don't got to go no further than your infant. And no, that children will act out of childish impulses. It don't matter whether it makes sense to you or anything. They're going to act out of childish insults. We are not born smart. I, I'm just going to go one step further because some of y'all are looking at me thinking, Pastor, this, uh, this ain't working for me. Well, let, let, me just, let me just help you. Proverbs 22:15 says, folly is bound up in a child. And you know what it says? A rod needs to beat it out of them. Now, I didn't want to go that far, but the way y'all was looking at me, y'all act like I'm, you know, saying something that ain't in the Bible. Folly is bound up in a, in a child. And none of y'all came popping out of some embryo as an adult. So that means folly was bound up in your behind. I mean, that's what the scripture says. Folly was bound up in you. Am I, y'all, y'all doing all right? Now, check this out. Because we go on living in that folly and not learn the wisdom of God, when we see adults acting out in just some ridiculous sexual impulses, it's because the folly that's in them is still living. When we see people go and steal when they don't need to steal, and and people do things that gratify themselves, because of their own desires. That folly is still bound up in them. When people commit frauds and embezzlement and, and, and cheating in school, and it's because the folly is still bound up in them. In other words, the folly doesn't just come out. It doesn't just fall off as you go. Something has to remove that folly or drive that folly out. When people go and they make so much money, yet they spend more than they make and they get themselves in a whole lot of debt, that the folly is still bound up in them. 
And then, and then as adults, we let that kind of go on with us. And then we wonder why our children don't do no better. Because there, if we don't do what's wise and right, or we won't do what's wise and right, they're only going to do what they see us do or have done, and then we want to we make them do better. When we're still living with the same folly we had bound up in us when we was in a ch- as a child. And yet all of a sudden, when the children get to a point where their folly is driving you crazy, then all of a sudden you want to try to get the folly out of them. Who, done, who dealt with the folly in you? I'm just, I said I wasn't going to preach today. Am I telling the truth? And so that has some far-reaching implications. We're not just born with a blank slate. And either we're going to be people of wisdom or we're going to be people that are foolish. There's a bent here. There's a bent. And this foolishness needs to be driven out step by step, day by day, month by month. Listen, listen to this. Proverbs 19.3 says, hear this. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And catch this. And then are angry at the Lord ruin their lives with their own foolishness and then get mad at God by living according to their own foolishness. And so there's a great passage. You, you, you see it, Jacob emphasizing and I, and I like it. When, when people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, get angry with God, there's a manner in which that can change. And, and this is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Verse number seven of chapter one. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Only foolish people don't want to receive wisdom. Only foolish people come to the place where they realize, well, I don't need nobody instructing me. I don't need nobody helping me. I don't need nobody telling me. I don't need God in my life. I can handle this without God. I've made it this many years. I've made it 54 years without God. I can, I can keep living. I'm doing all right. Only foolish people come to that conclusion that you don't need wisdom and you don't need guidance and you don't need discipline. But it does come, and, and I may spend more time with this through this series, from this whole issue of fear in the Lord. Uh, unfortunately, we've come to a place, I think, even sometimes in Christianity, where we look at God so much as a friend and a buddy that we lose the aspect that God is a God to be revered. God is a God to be awed, and God is a God to be obeyed. Listen, don't you see when Satan even, when the scripture says that Satan, when he hears the name of the Lord or knows there's a God and he trembles and he was an eyewitness of God Almighty, don't you think that ought to mean something to us? Now, by no means am I, am, am I a legalist or legalism and telling you that you got to be running around here in so much terror of God that, you know, every time you, I told you when I grew up, you know, we had this idea and it, it, I understand the implication from the scripture, but that the clouds are going to come open and Jesus is going to sin. And it seemed like every time I do something wrong, my grandfather would point at me. You say, you see those clouds? Jesus is going to come any minute and bust this thing wide open and you're going to hell, boy. I mean, it's, it's, you know, so I'm walking around every time it's a cloudy day, I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God. I'm not talking about that kind of terror, but I'm talking about a healthy reverence and fear to understand that he is Lord and he is king and he is God and he created us and it's our responsibility to be obedient to him. This ain't my world. 
This ain't your world. You can't write your own rules and think it's going to work. You stand before the almighty God and the Lord and, and, and come before him with judgment. And you say, Lord, this is how I live my life. And it worked. Eh, wrong answer. Wrong answer. He is king. He is Lord. He is ruler. He's sovereign authority. And the same mindset that we have about him ought to be played out in our life. There ought to be a healthy fear of the almighty God that I want to do things to please him. And I want to do things that are right. Am I talking to the right church? And not blind ourselves to think that everything I'm doing is fine. I was, um, actually it was another pastor that shared this story. And one of those ones that I actually forgot about and then remembered I had it written down. He talked about a nomad in uh, somewhere in Arabia. I don't know. And he could have made the story up, but I like it. And he said that the guy woke up in the middle of the night, lit his lamp, and he had a bowl of dates right there. And so he just sat on the side of his bed and, and bit one, one date, and it had a worm in it. So he just threw that one out the tent. He bit another date, it had a worm in it. He threw that out the tent. He bit a third date, it had a worm in it. He just threw that one out the tent. But he came to the conclusion, if I keep throwing these things out the tent, I'm not going to have nothing to eat. So he blew the candle out. Mm-hmm, you got it. And just ate the dates in the dark. You see a whole lot of folks then blew the light out the light of God, the light of Christ, the light of wisdom. And and you see some things from the light that you don't like, so you just blow the light out and rather just live in the dark. That's not what God wants for us. Not at all. He wants us to get wisdom. He wants us to embrace wisdom. He wants us to get a hold of wisdom. Proverbs 8.11 says this, for wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Wisdom is the thing that we desire. It's more valuable. And if you want to win at life, that's what you got to have. You got to have wisdom. Now, listen, this message is really going to come to a close real quickly. But I would be remorse if I didn't tell you where true wisdom really comes from. Because this is what the scripture tells us in James chapter 1. Verse 5 and 8, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure, listen to this, that your faith is in God alone. When you ask for wisdom, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty. If on the one hand, you want to ask God for help, and on the other hand, you want to use your own mind and your own thinking. On the one hand, you need God to intervene and give wisdom, but on the other hand, you want to be left to do some things according to your own preferences and your own opinion. It says, do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Listen, such people should never expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything that they do. Now, that's the truth that God puts out, that wisdom comes from him. But you know, the great thing about God is God went even one step further and didn't leave us just to asking him for wisdom, but he provided us with wisdom that would be with us every day of our life. 
Where does that wisdom come from? From Jesus Christ alone. I want you to catch this. Listen, it says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him, being Jesus, to be wisdom himself. Are you following this? Listen to what the scripture is saying. If you want to have wisdom that you can always count on, wisdom that will always be coming, it's, it's like a time-release medicine. It's always coming trace by trace and little by little. If you never want to run out of wisdom, get Jesus. You want wisdom? Get Jesus. You want to be, you want to out, you want to outdo things with all the chaoticness in the world and you want to be a winner? Get Jesus. You don't want to live like a fool, don't want to walk like a fool, don't want to teach your children foolishness, get Jesus. The wisdom that is sure, that is steady, that is steadfast comes in Christ Jesus alone. So here's the bottom line of what what God is saying. You cannot walk in wisdom if you don't have Jesus Christ. Wisdom comes from him and him alone as Lord and Savior. And that's the first step. And honestly, that falls right into fearing the Lord. Because if you feared God as knowing that God is a God that's a righteous judge, you're going to have to face him sometime. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What knowledge do I need? The need that I understand I need Jesus Christ. And when I come to Jesus Christ and ask him to be the Lord and Savior of my life, I got all the wisdom I need to live in this life. And then, but this is the second thing, and it's, it's just kind of, it's a good thing that Proverbs throws it in here. Not only do we need Christ in our life, but hang out with wise people. Listen, I cannot hang around with a bunch of dogs and not expect to get fleas. You, you hang out with wise people. People that are wise, let them be the ones that sharpen in your life and invested in your life and speak in your life. Listen to what the proverb says. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I mean, it's just that simple. So hang out with wise people, people who know the Lord, people who know truth, people who know righteous that can invest in your life. And here's the last thing. Team, you can come. Here's the last thing. Apply this wisdom to your life. Now, Ecclesiastes is another great book a great writer, great preacher. And he has examined everything. Scripture talks about Solomon seeing so many things, hearing so many things. And he actually wraps up the writings of Ecclesiastes with this statement. He says that's the whole story. He, if you read chapter 13, well, actually, all, uh, chapter 12, all of the chapters of Ecclesiastes, he talks about all the things he's done in his life kind of writing a treatise, kind of writing a memoir. And then he wants to wrap it up. And he says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. This is a man that's lived life, wisest man that we know on the earth until Jesus came, experienced more things than any of us could ever do. We'd have to be 300 years old to experience everything Solomon did. And he says, I've read so many books till I've got tired. I've written so many things. I've heard so many things, experienced so many things, but here is the final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. 
God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. It boils down to being that simple. Fearing God and obeying him. Out of all the wisdom that I could give you, all the wisdom that I could give you, outside of informing you, which I did, that you need Jesus Christ, you fear God and obey his commandments. And I'm telling you, you'll be a winner in this life. You'll be a winner, fearing God and obey his commandments. I want to wrap up with this one verse. Everybody stand if you would. It's a very profound passage. It's Jesus with his disciples. They, they, well, he has a group of them, and then he takes three more of them in Matthew 17, and they go up on the top of a, what we call it Mount Transfiguration in the Scripture. And while they're there, they see this bright light. And it, it's so bright that Peter, James, and John fall down. Peter looks up, though, and he sees Jesus talking to, I believe it's Moses and Elijah, which they know those are great men. Moses in the Old Testament led the exodus of the children of Israel. Elijah was a great prophet. Neither one of them, they don't know where Moses was buried and Elijah got taken up. The scripture talks about the power of Elijah. Moses gave the law. Elijah was a man of great power and great deliverance and great miracles. And they see Jesus. They've come to recognize Jesus as a good man. And they see the three of them and they said, Lord, Peter says, Lord, why don't we build three tabernacles? We got three great men here, three great wise men, three powerful men, three men sent by you. The light shines and uh, shines upon them till they fall their face down till they can't, they can't see clearly. And they hear a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to this. And then he said, listen to him. Now, you may not see the profoundness in this, but I'm going to help you. If the God of heaven, the Father, shouts down from heaven that the one that we're to listen to is Jesus, you don't have to be the smartest person in the class to realize that that must be the one I need to listen to. It don't, listen, I've been in Yuma High School. I'm smart, I'm smart, I'm smart. I've been in Yuma High School. But you, I didn't, listen, if I'd never been to Yuma High School and heard that, I would, I would get it. If, if God, the Father who created the planet, said that I'm going to listen to Jesus, that's enough for me. Now, can I just tell you this, and I'll just make this real simple. That ought to be enough for you. Because any other thoughts you got, I'm telling you right now, are going to lead you to foolishness. I'm just going to be straight up. Any other thoughts you got? If you're sitting here thinking, man, I hear Tyrone up there hollering at us. Uh, I ain't got to listen to what he's saying. Foolishness. Foolishness. The only thought you ought to have right now is, if God created me and he knows me and God is the one I got to answer to when this life is all over, I better listen to what he says. And he says, listen to Jesus. Every head bowed prayer team you can come we're just going to pray and we're going to go back into worship there's going to be a time for you to come for prayer whatever that need might be 
and the Lord is able to, if it's, if it's healing, we know God heals and he'll heal you. If it's salvation, you can come and give your life to the Lord today. If you do make a commitment to Jesus Christ, you want to serve him, you can mark that on the connect card and we want to follow up with you. Something else too, and I, I'm, I failed to say this earlier. I, I shared last week about wanting to have two people praying during our service, so we need an intercessor team to do that, a rotating schedule. If you have a desire to be part of those, that team where maybe once every three months you're praying during the service, please note that on the Connect card. You can put it in the box, and uh, Mary Cruz will follow up with you. But I don't want you to leave here with, with any second-guessing. This is, this, is, this is the truth. I think it's real simple. You know whether you're trusting Jesus or not. That's not something you got to guess about. You know if you are. You know if your life is, is in his hands. You know if you're trusting him. You know if you're following the wisdom of the word. If you're following the wisdom of Christ. You know whether you are. You know whether you're born again. You know whether you have life in Christ. If you don't, then we're giving you an opportunity to do it. So that you can begin to live this life as a winner. Because that's what God wants. That's what we want. We want you to be a winner because our God is victorious. Amen. Heads bowed. Father, I thank you. You're so good to us. And so faithful and so true. And I thank you for the word. Lord, nothing overwhelmingly fancy about this message. Just straight truth. Straight truth that I pray goes straight to the heart. And Lord, may every one of us examine ourselves in light of this. And determine what we need to do. As the message is bringing it forth truth as you've offered life to us through Christ as you've provided for every one of us to have the wisdom that we need Lord I pray that every one of us will examine ourselves and make that step that action that we need you're a good God you're glorious you're merciful actually and we thank you for bringing us all here together today to hear from you and trust you to speak to every one of us in Christ's name we pray amen